This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Hi guys, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd and we were super excited on the show this week as we had the lead singer of the M People, Heather Small, come and join us in the studio to talk about a gig that she'd been doing over the weekend and about being a big, big star back in the 1990s. We also spoke at Breast Cancer Awareness and Inspire Wellness Studio who have a special event happening. And Mr Draper, well, his name, Mahmoud Gao, and uh, he pretty much stylized Mark Lloyd. When it comes to dress, you can actually get stylists to go out, pick up your clothes and make sure that you look super cool all of the time. And we wrap things up talking the art of motorcycles. Enjoy it and don't forget to join me on the show live weekdays from 11 o'clock only on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. You certainly are. And I want to tell you a little story. Yesterday, I was up at Expo 2020 having a good old look around. And Poonam sends me a voice message. She likes doing the voice <laughs> message types things. And and it said, um, guess who I've got for you on the show tomorrow? So, jokingly, I messaged back. I said, is it Barry Manilow or Rick Astley? And you said, no, it's someone better than that. And and then you message saying, Heather Small of the M people was in town and, and going to be joining us live in the studio. Yeah, and- Bizarre thing, I didn't think it would actually happen, and she's here. Yay, Heather, how Good are you? Good afternoon. I'm, I'm very, very well, thank you. So you much. look amazing. Oh, that's very kind. She does. Goodness. She looks so. I funky. mean, you're always so stylish. Uh, tell, tell us first of all why you're in town. Um, well, I'm in town for the African festival that has just been. So um, I came along. I, I, I sung at the festival, but yeah. uh, it was the, the uh, from the continent. All the bands from from Egypt to Somalia to Congo. Tanzania, it was an absolutely fantastic show in music, food. Um, there was uh, the uh, art gallery, mm. yeah. which was in Iman the Square. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've got my eye on a, um, uh, uh, an artist, Keku Yarrow. I liked his stuff. There was some really, and uh, I had I had, a, I had lunch at Kiza. Jollof rice and planting. Yes, oh, wow. so um, I was very happy. It was it was just fantastic. The music was. Was it? Awesome. It did look amazing. And, uh, I, I mean, was looking online. I think the idea came in February, and by November, she said oh, the diaspora as well as from the continent. So because that's why I came, I thought to myself, it's an inaugural <laughs> African festival, just only in Dubai. And I thought it's a good way to put across what the continent's about, what the people are about, and at home in the the UK, it's. Um, it's uh, Black History Month. And so for me to come and do mm. something like this, I thought, you know, this is living history. It's an inaugural African um, festival. It's about the people. It's about the music. And um, we as a people are always evolving. We've brought a lot to the table globally. And it was just nice that there was some something that I could come to that celebrated that. And like I said, from the continent and from the diaspora, because there was from, from uh, the, uh, like I said, the African nations, as well as Jamaica yeah. and uh, oh, everywhere else. So you must have Trinidad, loved it. Yeah. So I mean, was how was amazing. it performing on stage? You know, I mean, did you do the M people numbers or some yes, new stuff? Yes, I, I, did, I, did, I, did, I did proud, actually, um, oh, okay. because it was mostly about the bands and it's about the continent. So, so, but I sneaked in there and it, it, was, it was wonderful. It was very well attended. And mm. I can just say roll on next year. Yeah, it's going to be even bigger next year. I mean, this yeah, is because there's some one. people that didn't know about it, and yeah. that has to change for next year. And yeah. I hope well, Dubai Eye will be on it and letting everybody we know. We were on it. We got yeah. them all in last yeah, week. Yeah, we oh, interviewed. Really? We interviewed <laughs> all the organisers. Oh yes, so yes, yes, yes. Uh, so you had um, Valentina, yeah, and mm. Nina, and yeah. yes, yes. They they, yeah. they did an amazing, amazing yeah. job. 
Good for you. Um, so what's, what's been happening with you musically of, le- of late then? So um, I've, I've signed a deal and I'm going to do some mu- new music and, uh, and I'm going to do um, some of the things I've done. I'm going to do it um, uh, uh, with an orchestra. Oh, so nice. To, yeah, so that'll, that'll be nice. I'm going to, my voice and an orchestra, so big voice, big sound. I'm going to put out a, a couple of new tracks as well to go with it. So uh, when I go back, that's why I'm going back. I haven't, I'm not in Dubai for very long. I start doing some recordings. So nice. Is, uh, when you say orchestra, is it, is it going to be kind of standard type stuff? or? Um, well, um, some of the things I've recorded before and some new stuff. So, okay. but in a, in a different in a different style. I'd love to hear you sing jazz. Oh my gosh, she'd be amazing. I've done some um, uh, some jazz standards. I, I do love it, and I did a I did a an acoustic set at the Ned in in London, and that that went down really really very well. It's nice when it's just just like an instrument and voices. Yeah, and I love that because there's that there's that room to to manoeuvre and to breathe yeah. a little and you know and that's that's what the new album's going to be about it's going to be a little bit more maneuvering and a little bit more breathable you know um just before you came i went to the into the producer's booth and i went to the reception i said have you heard this song so i played moving on up they went yeah i said she's coming in they went what like this and they all got really excited and you know i was telling mark when i was at manchester university it was like your songs were everywhere I just want to know what was it like in those in the nineties, the height of your fame. What was life like? I mean, the music industry at that time in England was amazing. Yeah, and it was very different. And there was you just felt like you was part of something, yeah. you know, because it was from uh, the mm-hmm. dance, from the dance to the pop to the rock. It, everybody was firing on all cylinders, and you just felt it was just exciting, and it was frantic. I, I, we were working really quite hard, and I think people think to themselves that you've got some kind of formula, but it's not. You 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 do what you do. You love what you do. And you just keep doing it. And so at the time, all you know is that it is a roller coaster, but you just, you just on it and you just enjoy it. You don't analyze yeah. it too much. What you think to yourself is just keep making the music and keep enjoying yourself. And uh, that's what we did, really. I mean, Manchester at that time, the Hacienda yeah, Club, wow. Tony Wilson, of yeah. course, Factory yeah. Records, Mike Pickering, uh, uh, who I found out from you was why the M people was, uh, yes. was named uh, yes. M. I mean, it was such a vibrant time, wasn't it, for, it, it, for Manchester music? It, it was buzzing. It really was buzzing. And you, you talk about Mike. I walked down the road with Mike, and he was a complete celebrity in Manchester, you know. Yeah. He, was like a, he was like a demigod. And, and people just loved the music. And it was... You know, the 90s was quite tough and it was a form of escapism. And I, I come from a working class background. So to make music and to do something like that was totally escapism because yeah. I wasn't expected to do something like that, not looking like I looked and not from where I came from, like I said, working class, immigrant roots, um, dark skinned black girl. Nobody really thought that you had any artistic endeavour. So I met like minded people and we just, we just ran with it. It just worked 100%. I know, uh, I know. know. So, so what are you working on now? What are your new projects? Well, um, because, you know, we were in um, lockdown. So a lot of people made music. But what I did, I, I wrote a script, actually. So, uh, yeah, with a friend. So I did that. And it's a comedy. And it's, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's set in a um, charity shop. And it's about the dynamics there. And it's not really what you think... You know, sometimes charity don't begin at charity, charity shops. So it's just... <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's... The premise right? is unusual. You- but, um, yeah, I, I did do a stint in a charity shop and um, it just opened my eyes to certain things. So mm. I just thought, you know, there's so much here that would be rich 
for uh, comedic uh, exploitation. And have you enjoyed that kind of, you know, new avenue, really, for you? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think to myself, it's made me realise, yes, I am a creative, because even though I didn't, I didn't make new music in lockdown, I did something creative. I, but I always I, think when you are creative, it go, comes in so many different forms. And, and, and if you're lucky, you, you should do. You know, and you should be allowed to explore mm. those forms. So I'm going to see if um, you know, anyone will um, pick it up. Heather Small is joining us from the M people on the show. We're absolutely honoured that she's come into the studio. Listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, indeed, and welcome back to the show. Thank you, Stephen, for your message. Wow, Heather Small, best voice ever at the Irish Village. Um, obviously, you performed there. Uh, I did <laughs> many I did. moons I ago. That's the yeah. last time I came. But you know what? Yeah. Don't you find it funny? Her voice is so powerful, but it's so gentle when she's sitting here on the mic. Yeah, yeah. But one, <laughs> once she it's, opens it's it up, yeah, it's controlled. it's controlled. Yes, yeah. I don't frighten anybody. <laughs> I mean, I always like to go back and find out who people used to listen to when they were growing up and what was, you know, wafting around the house when you were a little mm. girl. What kind of music? Um, well, there's Aretha Franklin, Edith Knight. I love Luther Vandross. Yeah. Mm. There's um, Gladys Knight, I said. Uh, Nina Simone, she's, she's my all-time favourite now. I, I think that the more I hear of her, the more I love her, and that's been for a good few years now. But a lot of uh, reggae as well, reggae and and and, and soul, mm. so and some and some soca because um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm Caribbean, yeah. So uh, it was a mix, and you know I grew up in seventies Britain, so you'd get from Bob Marley to ABBA on yeah, top of the pops, totally. yeah, exactly, which, which yeah. wouldn't you don't see those on oh, top mix of the someone. pops. I miss yeah. top yeah. of the pops, <laughs> and I remember doing top of the pops for the very first time. I was absolutely terrified because iconic we grew up with it you know yeah. and it didn't matter what you listen to because they listen to a lot of pirate radio stations as well that's playing okay. like, a lot of reggae and a lot of soul but we listened to the top 40 it was every sunday sunday it was every yeah. sunday yeah. and i remember when we started getting into the charts i couldn't listen Somebody had to phone me and let me know wow. if we charted or not. I was just too terrified. Too, too terrified. Oh, yeah, I mean, wimp. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to your family roots, mm. which Caribbean island? Um, uh, we're, we're from Barbados. Barbados. Nice. Oh, yes. oh, I've Barbados. been to Barbados. Oh yeah, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I'm due, I'm due a visit. You know, with all this lockdown and everything, yeah. it's um, it's been difficult. But um, oh, I was there for Christmas. Was I like to go and see family. Right. So you haven't been to Expo yet, right? I haven't. So I haven't. I, I've got a plan. I'm going to try and get her to perform for the UK yeah, Pavilion. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I'd love that. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's see what we can do. It's a plan. D- tell us a little bit about the music scene in the UK at the moment. And, well, uh, you know. I couldn't tell you much. I'll be honest with you, because I've been listening to quite a few Americans. So I've been listening to Doja Cat and Normani yes. and Givian. So yeah. I, I, that's where I've that's where I've been at the, at the moment. I don't know. Obviously, you know, um, uh, I like people like Stormzy and things like that. Mm, but mm. Um, at the moment, I've, I've been listening to the uh, American females. But you know yeah, what? Because they seem they, it's it's very strong. It yeah. It's um it's it's, it's feisty. Yeah. And um it's it's saying something, and it's saying something about the situation they're in as well. So it speaks to me quite a bit. I have to say, I I found I was back from England a week ago, and it, I, I was telling Mark I was listening to the radio, and all I heard was songs from twenty thirty years old that were being remixed. There was nothing massively oh. new. I know you've got the Ed Sheeran and stuff, but nothing that really blew my mind, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I have to say that I don't really listen to a lot of commercial radios, mm. so um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help you there. And when I do listen to stuff, um, it usually, is usually old. 
unless, like I said, yeah. these these new crop of women that yeah. I really I do admire. Yeah, because it's on their own t- it's on their own terms yeah. and in their own way and with their own voices. So I'm always going to have time for that. When did you realise that you were going to make music a profession? Um, you know, you mentioned you were talking, listening to all these great stars, Luther and uh, Gladys Knight. When, when did you know Stevie that... Stevie Wonder. Yeah, Stevie. Uh, when did you know that you were going to make it in the music business or make a career in the music business? You know, I, I, I always wanted to sing from maybe I was about eight, nine. But I never t- said anything to anybody. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I think when I started to, to sing and I sang with friends at school... And it was the feeling it gave me. Yeah. And I thought, I really, really have to do something with this. So maybe when I was about 18, yeah. I, I, um, I, oh, like I said before, I answered an ad in Melody Baker, now defunct. Melody and um, I went along for an audition and I got that. And um, I just thought, I have to do this. It's something intrinsic to my well-being. Yeah. It just makes me feel good. And I like the feeling it gives me, but also the power it has to change a mood and somebody else's mood. And, you know, whether we're happy or we're sad, we gravitate towards music. Mm. And, you know, we've been in this lockdown and it's been the arts that have kept people going. Yeah. It's been music, it's been, it's been theatre on, streamed into your home and things like that. So um, there's, no, there's no doubt the mental uh, stimulation and well-being that it gives you. So it's always felt like something that made me feel stable, made mm. me feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been difficult in lockdown without it because it's more than it's not about just uh, um, making money. You know, it's more than a livelihood. It's it's a mm. it's a it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a way of life. It's a passion. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's something that's intrinsic to my soul. Can I ask you as well? Mm. Who is your stylist? Because every time I see you, you look fantastic, and it's always She'd be different. Sitting right here. It's oh, always yeah. different. She'd be sitting right here. What, a, what about that necklace? Can, can oh, I see got that guy? this at the festival. Did you yes, really? Yes. It's very to, African style. Yeah, yeah, BBs. And, and then what some, about your hair, all the beads in your hair? That's amazing. Oh, oh my hair's locks now, so I put in, um, I just put them in myself, yeah, so I look wow. after my, look after my You should be a stylist. Style. <laughs> well, you know what, if, if, if at 56 you can't dress yourself, there's going to be something <laughs> wrong, isn't there? I, I, I mastered that. Not many things, but that I have mastered. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and, and finally, uh, you know, you're going to be flying back to the UK mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, the plan for the, for the rest of the year? Yeah, so um, um, some TV and, like I said, recording. Yeah. So, yeah, and the UK Pavilion, we'll sort that out for you. Yeah, there you go, definitely. <laughs> there you go. And I can't wait to hear this orchestral stuff. Yeah, I know. It's I, th- be I think amazing. we're going to get Shades of Dorothy Moore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what comes out. We'll see what comes out. Heather Small, it's been an absolute oh, honour to have you in our studios. Always great to come. Respect to you, and boy, what a day! This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. You certainly are, and um, welcome back to the show. And uh, October, of course, is known for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and there have been a lot of events and initiatives taking place across the UAE. And Inspire Wellness Studio are putting on a session where people can come along and talk about their challenges if they're currently being faced with cancer. And along with this session will be a free-flowing dance session by Five Rhythms. Joining me now is um, Elisa, um, the co-founder of um, Inspire. Um, Elisa, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Lloyd. I'm well, thank you. Great, great to have your company. Uh, We've got Lena as well joining us from Five Rhythms. Good morning to you, Lena. 
Good morning. Hi. Great to have you both uh, joining us, ladies. Now, um, Lisa, let's get started. And uh, tell me what's going to be discussed during uh, this session and uh, why you wanted to hold this discussion at Inspire. All right. So um, there are four reasons uh, that's going to be discussed in this session. The first one will be like the, uh, the journey of the actual breast cancer warrior. So she'll be talking about the intimacy and relationship issues that happens during and post-diagnosis. And also we'll have a gynecologist, Dr. Labib, who will be talking about the physiological changes that treatment does to the body and how the warriors can cope with treatments and the big challenges they may face post-recovery. We also have Dr. Hima, a psychologist who will be discussing how cancer warriors can support their mental health mm-hmm. and how their loved ones, such as us, can create a strong support network for them. We also have Dr. Nas, sorry, a functional medicine doctor that will be covering um, what are the lifestyle changes that we could do to prevent cancer and also supplementation during post treatment and during treatment okay so we've got uh, several experts that are going to be on the hand there is this open to to anyone um alisa oh absolutely so the more the merrier the more we can inform the community then the better it'll be for everybody so where and when is this going to be taking place this will be taking place at difc gate avenue zone d at the promenade so it's an outdoor event yeah um, it will be happening there on October 30th from 5 p.m. till 7.30 p.m. Okay, uh, let me bring Lena in the conversation here. Um, tell me a little bit about Five Rhythms and, and what it's all about. Well, uh, Five Rhythms is actually a conscious movement practice. It's one of the early modern conscious movement practices in the world that was uh, created over 50 years ago by a lady who was fascinated by the human body. Um, and she was part of the discourse at the time in the 60s and 70s of the human potential movement. And she basically observed humans and how the free uh, humans, free dancers, how do they move? How do they release? How do they uh, um, shape their bodies in the dance? And she came up with some, with a map called the five rhythms, um, where each rhythm relates to a specific energy pattern. The, the, the premise here is that we're all made out of also energy patterns. Um, and you move these patterns in specific ways and you release quite a bit <laughs> out of your system. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's also a healing, uh, a healing movement practice, um, spiritual practice, awareness practice. So it's quite, quite rich. Uh, so, Lena, I, I know my producer, Punam, has tried um, uh, this, found it very liberating, just dancing and letting uh, your body go wherever it wants to go. So why have you incorporated it, uh, Lena, into this session? Well, um, I mean, the whole idea here behind this is that, well, what Gabrielle Rossa founder uh, found is that you move your body and the, heal, the psyche would heal itself. Um, I mean, we release, we free the body, we release the tensions in the body. When the body is released, the heart is released. So the emotional release factor is quite huge. Um, when the heart is released, obviously it's holding quite a bit, especially when you're ill. This is where all the disease is held. When the heart is uh, is released and has a place to express itself, the mind can let go. So you let go of any 
psychic tensions, any stories, anything in the way of your healing. And once that is released, the potential is phenomenal for, 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 for us to look at hope, to look at what else I can do in the world and be present in the moment. So all of this is really essential to the conversation of healing, especially women who are going through any kind of care at the moment or are, who are dealing with the stresses of, uh, of breast cancer or are dealing with the healing journey. And we've had quite a bit of evidence uh, to showcase that this is really instrumental in healing journeys for women on this track. Okay, um, Elisa, what else is going to be happening uh, on the day itself? So on the day itself, we'll be giving away some healthy food. Um, DNA Wellness will also be giving away some free consultation from the functional medicine director. Um, And there's other giveaways. And it's just great to, after the pandemic, well, we're still in the pandemic, for community to get together and just create a greater vibe for healing. Yeah. Uh, tell us again, Elisa, when and where it's happening and, and how we can actually uh, register to come along for this event. All right. To participate in this event, you'll have to register through our website, inspiremeyoga.net, on the scheduled page. This will be happening on October 30th. It's a Saturday, so it's free day for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, from 5 to 7.30 p.m. at the Outdoor Promenade, Gate Avenue, Zone D at DIFC. Well, we wish you both uh, the very best of luck for the event, uh, Elisa and Lena. Um, it really is uh, something special. And uh, get along uh, to that uh, particular um, evening, 5 to until 7. You can register on the Inspire Yoga website. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Yeah, welcome back into the show. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever wished that uh, instead of going to the mall, uh, you could just dial a stylist to bring your wardrobe home to you? Well, this is Dubai, and apparently you can. With me now is the founder of Mr. Draper, Mahmoud Gao. How are you, Mahmoud? Hi, Lord. It's great to be with you today. Yeah. Well, how are you? Uh, very, very good, sir. So, uh, what does Mr. Draper actually offer the average customer like me? Well, basically what we do is we simplify the shopping experience, and we help you look great without the hassle. Uh, you, fi- you fill out a profile on our website. You give us details about your style, your budgets, and your sizes. And then automatically assigned a personal stylist who's going to handpick looks for you, get them sent to your house to try on for three days. You keep and pay what you like, and then you send back the rest. Very easy process. It sounds very easy. Uh, and sometimes another person has got a better eye than what will look good on you rather than, than yourself. Would, would you agree? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I mean, we have different types of customers. We have guys that are simply too busy to shop and know what they want. And we have guys that have no idea and want us to help them uh, do the styling. So it depends on, uh, it depends on the customer. Well, we service both. Uh, I'm sure you can make me look a lot better than I already do. Um, so what, what was the inspiration for starting this, um, uh, Mahmoud? How did it all get off the ground? Well, let me tell you first, I've seen a few of your pictures, and I think you got some really <laughs> cool shirts. So you're doing a great job by yourself. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the inspiration really came from um, circumstances. I was let go from a job I was working for as a startup. Um, I'm somebody that likes clothes and doesn't mind shopping in the mall. And my friends would um, use the opportunity of me being unemployed to basically help them go to the mall and, and, and get looks picked out. So the initial idea was for me to start 
um, essentially a marketplace for stylists where customers could rent out stylists on an hourly basis to go with them to the mall. And then quickly, I realized that that's not a scalable model. And um, I quickly pivoted to something that was working well in the U.S. and Europe, where there were stylists that were digitally there that were helping you by picking out looks for you and sending it to that box concept. All right. So how does it actually work? What's, what's the process from start to finish? And what information do you need from the customer before you actually send out that stylist to, to find clothes? Sure. So basically, again, you, you, you sign up at www.mrdraper.com. You create a profile. You tell us uh, what you wear to work, what you wear uh, on the weekends, what you wear on nights out. You give us your sizes, your budget. Uh, we show you pictures of outfits that we think you might like. You filter those down. And then you pay an 80 dirham styling fee, uh, which is credited against any of your future purchases. And then you're ready to get started. A stylist will reach out uh, via WhatsApp, send you a voice note, give you an idea of what she's going to send you. And then we get a box sent over between two to three days. Then again, you have three days to try it on in the comfort of your own home. You pick the items that you like, and then you request a collection online. But here's where it gets really interesting. Uh, when you're requesting a collection, you actually give us feedback on every item. You tell us what worked and what didn't and why it didn't work. And we use that data essentially to personalize your future experience. Okay, that's that's super, super cool. Uh, what's the feedback been like so far, uh, uh, Mahmoud? And, you know, what are your customers kind of uh, coming back with? Uh, for us, basically, a, a key indicator of how well we're doing is how many customers come back. And we're proud to say that. 60% of our sales monthly is coming from repeat buyers. Um, so we have a very sticky customer base because we are providing a very unique one-to-one styling experience, shopping experience, uh, depending on the customer. So uh, the results have been amazing, and uh, we're really excited about next steps and growing across the GCC. So tell me a little bit more about your stylists. I mean, are they trained in this? Can you get qualifications to, to become a stylist? You definitely can, and there's a few schools here in the, in the UAE where you can do that. Our stylists uh, studied abroad. We have a British stylist. We have a stylist from the Netherlands. We have stylists from Lebanon. So, um, and they're all qualified. They either uh, studied styling or they studied pattern making, and some of them are buyers and worked for some of the biggest brands in the world, like Debenhams, uh, Suit Supply, etc. And um, the actual stores that they go out and, uh, you know, select your style of clothes, uh, I, I guess that varies. I mean, you know, some people want to dress more urban and, uh, and kind of cool. Maybe others um, are looking for a more formal look. Sure. So um, the way our service works on the back end uh, is they don't actually go out to the stores because for us to really understand our customer, to understand our product, we have to hold the inventory because we use that to drive an okay. algorithm that aids the stylist in making the selection. So we hold right now 22 brands. Um, we work with some of the largest retailers in the UAE. Um, and then we also bring brands from outside like Canada and Europe, et cetera. So we have a mix of brands um, and we try to cater to as many styles as possible. It sounds really cool. And uh, expect um, an entry from a certain Mark Lloyd on Mr. Draper later on this <laughs> afternoon. You can maybe sort me out and point me in the right direction. <laughs> uh, so I can either say uh, we're looking forward to having you or ahla wa sahla. both Arabic and English. Great stuff, Mahmoud. It's been a real pleasure to have you uh, on the show. That's uh, once again Mr. Draper, where you can get that stylist to bring your wardrobe into your own home. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the show. Now, as I said, we're going to be talking motorbikes and the art of motorcycles right now. Dal Gassan is the founder 
Uh, welcome to uh, the show, Dell. Hope you're well today. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, the art of motorcycles and uh, how you actually created it. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, well, the show came came to me at a, at a pretty difficult time in my life um, where uh, I just become a dad. My, my daughter was born um, November the, the year prior and um, my dad had passed away and I was just stuck of, of what to do with myself and, and with my life and I've always been into bikes ever since I was a kid and I've known a lot of people in the scene here for quite a while now. Yeah. So what I did was I, um, I decided to drive around town and, and speak to all my buddies and, and I came up with this vision of putting together a show which featured arts, motorcycles, and photography together. And, and I really wanted to promote the culture uh, that we have here in the UAE, it, you know, in regards to building custom machines and photography and documenting the lifestyle that we have here. So that was kind of really the birth of, of the show. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to grow year on year now to our third year. Uh, you've got 11,000 members, so uh, obviously super popular. And I mean, a motorcycle is a work of art in itself, isn't it? I mean, I can just gaze at them for, for hours. They're such beautiful machines. They truly are. Uh, so tell me, when um, does this actual event take place? As you said, you're in its third year. So uh, when and where does it happen? So the show will be taking place on the 5th and 6th of November at Warehouse 4 in Alcuz. Uh, we've been lucky, you know, to partner with great sponsors who allow us to have that creative freedom and, and really help us, you know, uh, reach the exposure that we want in regards to to the growth of the show. Uh, this year, we've been fortunate to have Harley Davidson Dubai support us. Brightland Watches has always been very, very strong in, in supporting us with this initiative. Warehouse Four is the venue where we do the event. It's a creative space which allows us to, you know, to turn it into a, a walk-in gallery where people can grab coffee, look at the bikes, see artists do work in front of them. Uh, and also look at our featured photographers. This year, we're really excited to have real specialist craftspeople at the show. There's a woman who will be there doing wood burning on art. Uh, it's called wood burning art. And we have a gentleman who will be making beautiful lamps and things out of motorcycle parts. So it really is a, an immersive, interactive show where people can really kind of engage. It's not like anything that's been seen in the Middle East before or any other motorcycle show that I'm aware of. So what is your beast on wheels? What, what are you riding at the moment, Dell? So for me, I've got I've got a few bikes at the moment. I have a 1961 Matchless, which was my grandfather's bike. It's a very old British bike. Wow. Um, I also have a um, a Harley that I I worked on with a lot of good friends here, which is called the Junkyard Dog. It's a very 70s style, easy rider <laughs> chopper. And um, recently working on a project that I'm not going to talk about because my wife will get angry if she finds out that I bought it. <laughs> You've got but, another one. I mean, do you people ri- will see that at the show. Yeah. Do you ride? Do you ride every day, Dell? I, I try to ride every day. I mean, in summer, it's, it's not as fun as you would think. Um, also, I think when you become a parent yourself, you kind of become a little bit more cautious. I do ride wherever and whenever I can. Um, but I do, of course, have my pickup truck, which comes in very useful to getting, for getting all those parts from my vintage bikes and carrying them around. Sometimes it's convenient to take the truck, but definitely with traffic, it's, uh, it's way better to take the bike. I mean, your grandfather's bike, I mean, amazing that you've got it. I mean, does it still run? Is it in working condition? Can you take it out there on the road? It, it does. It still runs. Um, I mean, it's, it's been in the family for, for many years, being in 1961. Uh, when I took it to the RTA, they didn't actually know what it was. Uh, Matchless was actually one of the oldest British motorcycle uh, brands around. They were used... You know, during during the world wars, and and it's a real unique bike. Um, I do take it out. It definitely does better in the winter than it does in the summer. 
Um, getting parts is a nightmare. You kind of have to buy the parts from, you know, I, I, the parts I had to get them from a little gentleman who run Russell Motors. You know, they don't take card. They only take cash and you go through boxes. And these are the kind of scenes yeah. that you see with the vintage bikes. But it's great. Um, and you meet people and everybody you sort of meet through the motorcycle scene here all has their stories and, and they're all really interesting people to get to know. Where's the perfect location? Where do you like to go ride here in the UAE, Del? For me, I mean, you're going to get two types of riders here, really. You get a lot of them who say they love to go out to the desert, and there are some like me who enjoy the desert, but I love the city. The city evolves so much, and it's evolved so much over the eight years I've been here that every every month there's a new bridge or tunnel or skyline to see. So for me, I love to, to go around the city. You'll find me on the bridges with views of the Burj Khalifa in the background or you know, down by the beach or just sort of all around town. I love to take my bike from one side of Dubai to the other and just kind of enjoy every second of it. Excellent. And, and finally, um, if we want to come along to the, uh, uh, to the founder of uh, the Art of Motorcycles, where can we get more information? Do we need to register? How, how does it all work? So there's no registration at all. It's free to the public. Um, they can get more information on our website, which is just www.aom-show.com. Uh, also on our Instagram, which is AOM under slash show. Uh, we have a lot of information on there. We're also on Facebook. And as I said, it's free to the public. And, you know, y- you may be into the photography side. You might be into the art side. Or you might be into motorcycles. And together, I think you'll find an eclectic mix of creativity. And I hope people do come down and check it out. Fantastic, Dell. Much appreciated. He's the founder of The Art of Motorcycles.